Welcome to the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast, where we explore all things sex, sexuality, and pleasure. And today we're talking about sex-positive parenting. Yes. I am so interested in that. I'm a mama of a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. You're a mama of how many? Of a lot of children. <laughs> <laughs> Ranging from 18 to 12. And I feel like even you feel like there's something you can learn from this conversation, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I was super excited for us to talk to Jet Set and Jasmine mm-hmm. about sex-positive parenting. I feel like so many people will know her for her work as an adult entertainer and she does so much more. One of the things I really love about Jetset and Jasmine is that she promotes sex positive parenting. Yes, she, does. she has an Instagram account that I, I follow around that and yeah, I'm just so delighted we got to chat to her. My performer name um, is Jet Setting Jasmine. I am Jasmine Johnson. I am a licensed clinical psychotherapist, and I am also a full-service forward-facing sex worker. Um, I am the co-owner with my partner, King Noir, of Royal Fetish Films, where we produce full-length erotica, BDSM, romance, and kinky porn. I am a master fetish trainer, and I am a mother of four children, ranging age 22 to nine months old. Um, and then I'm um, all the things that, you know, every woman is everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And I feel like there's so much we could interview you about. But for this episode, we wanted to focus on sex positive parenting. Mm-hmm. And this is a phrase mm-hmm. I've had you use in your work. So yeah. how would you explain what sex positive parenting is? Oftentimes when people hear the word sex positive parenting, they think that we are just allowing our children to run amok just to be, um, you know, having sex and hearing and seeing and uh, engaging in content that um, that we would otherwise say is inappropriate for children. And that is the furthest thing from being sex positive. Sex positive does mean protecting our children from some of the really scary things that are sadly associated with children and sex, such as pedophilia and sexually inappropriate behavior. Sex positive parenting for me specifically means centering pleasure, where um, we support our children in identifying that their body is their body. So that body autonomy, as well as their body deserves pleasure in all the many ways that they're able to identify that this is not a punitive act that this is not a um, unnatural act um, or that this is something where shame or stigma lives, that this is actually where pleasure lives, that you get to decide when, where, who, and how you want to engage with sex. So that's what it means to me. Oh my goodness. Like, I love this definition so much. I really, really love it. I feel like we need this written down as an essay that everybody can read, right? Um, Come on, Nana, you're the writer. Come on. True, true. And I am starting to work on my second book, so I might be hollering at you again. And you're obviously a licensed psychotherapist, so you have, mm-hmm. you know, skills around this, learned skills around this. I'm wondering what tips you might have for parents who literally have no 
idea what to do. I was recently in Sierra Leone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. running a workshop on sexualities for young girls. And mm-hmm. one of the things I was asking people right at the start of the session was, you know, what questions do you have? What would you like to get out of this? And I was surprised that quite a few young girls said to me, how can we get our parents to talk to us about sex? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of parents feel a lot of fear yeah. about speaking to their children around sex. So if there's a parent who feels like, okay, I want to do something different to what I experienced growing up, right? Nobody ever spoke to me about sex. My mom never spoke to me about sex. My dad, no adult spoke to me about sex. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give them if they just want to, to to know how to start? I think, you know, when when hearing us speak, it's sort of like, um, like, wow, like I that that seems like such a big task to like be the sex positive parent. And really, if you could just wherever you are, the fact that you are still listening to this podcast right now after you heard what the title is, you are already on that journey. Right. So you're, we're already challenging some of our preconceived ideas or our history with parenting and or um, young adults and discussing sex. I think some of the fear is that you have to have all the answers and that you have to be able to deliver these answers all in one talk at one time. And so let's bust that myth right right there. Um we want to be able to have a continuous conversation with our children over the over our lifetime about sex, sexuality, and intimacy. And I keep saying sex, sexuality, intimacy, and interpersonal relationships because part of the fear also is that it's just sex. I have to talk to them about this graphic thing. Um, and it's like, no, actually think about some of our sexual experiences as adults. That tingly, exciting feeling that we get starts like long before we are face to face with that person sexually. So we can start to talk to our children about like, is there anyone at school that you like? This may be a completely platonic friendship, but you're easing into, I am a safe space for my child to talk to me about interacting with another person that makes them feel. That's it. Some of the questions we've had in the past, uh, like how young can you talk to kids about sex? Like when do you start mm-hmm. talking to kids about sex? I mean, I have a, a three-year-old and one of the things I've been really consciously doing is just making her feel comfortable with with her body and my body. Like, you know, she's like, she knows the proper names for everything. She's like nipples. She's so obsessed with my nipples. It's such a pain. <laughs> I'm always trying to be like, don't squeeze them, don't squeeze them. She'd be like, mom, I'm just touching your breast. See, I'm not squeezing it. You know, she knows the name for her vulva. The other day she was sitting on the bed and I was like, Asanta, what are you doing? And she said, I'm touching my vulva. <laughs> and I said, why? And she just kind of laughed, you know. So I feel like you, you talk to kids mm-hmm. as young, you know, whenever, mm-hmm. whenever they start to seem interested. But what would you say? You're also a professional when it comes to this. I completely agree with you. Your approach is is perfect. Um, one is like equipping our children with the correct words. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, we're doing it with everything else, right? We're like refrigerator, mm-hmm. car, mm-hmm. blue. Why not their body mm-hmm. as well? Sure. You know, so again, take that weight off of fear out of sex and 
our body autonomy and treat it just like the education around anything else. I say we can even start with infants. So I like to give the example of teaching consent. We can teach consent so early. So I say like, imagine picking a booger out of a five months old nose. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're like squirming and moving all around. Um, Mm -hmm. They're telling you, I don't want you in my nose. So starting to put that framework in your head, like, okay, in this situation, this child is sharing with me consent or non-consent. So that way, as they get older, these are the things that happen. Someone touches you, they they say, I don't want you to touch me. They should be validated yes. in that moment. You know, so as early as possible, we can start to introduce concepts around body autonomy pleasure like you why are you touching your vulva and she laughed opposed to don't do that you shouldn't be doing that her laugh was like because i want to exactly it It feels good when she laughed i laughed too because it was even funny Mm -hmm. because i was like okay so when do i start saying you know okay you do this when you're on your own and i'm like no she's three i can't say this now right because (laughs) you're sexualizing it when and and when we don't need to yeah Mm -hmm. and what do we say to some of our listeners who themselves don't even have like the language to talk about their own body parts, mm-hmm. right? Because they grew up being told it's a hoo-ha or whatever. Like, what do we say to them? So really ask yourself, as a child, you know, why did you use the words that you use? Oh, well, because that's all that was taught to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's okay. That's not your fault. And so you probably feel uncomfortable using those words now because you didn't have any practice mm-hmm. with them, right? Right. Okay, so now let's teach that that child we have between now and to the day that we die to practice using those words mm. freely and without shame. If it makes you giggle a little, that's okay. Say it in the mirror a couple times. Listen to other adults have conversations about sex and how they use those words so freely and nothing bad happens. Um, so correcting, it's never too late to do course correction, mm-hmm. right? Even for yourself, right? I love it. So I hope that helps some of your listeners. Oh my gosh, I think it will. Thank you so much, Jasmine. And, you know, I'm thinking back to something you said earlier, right at the beginning. And I feel like anybody who looks at you will be like, oh my God, how do you have a 22-year-old and a ninth nine month old you look like you're not much older than 22 yourself oh you thank know? you some good makeup I got here <laughs> it is not on. makeup I, I I I don't think so <laughs> I think it's just this natural flyness but I'm assuming you were a young mother to your first child uh-huh, uh-huh. and so how do you feel like your parenting has changed you know especially in terms of how you're able to approach conversations around sex sexuality intimacy and into relationships is how I think yeah. you, you phrased it. So into personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um. So yes, I was. Um. My I was pregnant with my oldest child at nineteen. Um. And I was still struggling with a lot of the shame and the stigma that is associated with sex, having sex, the outcomes of of sex. Um. All all of those those things. So I can make that clear connection with where. My shame, um, my openness, my knowledge base, my approach to sex, sexuality, intimacy, and interpersonal relationships has had a direct impact on how my children show up free Mm. in this world, you know? And I feel very responsible for it. It's like, okay, I think I may have messed up a little bit. Um, Let me see, like, can I get in there now? And so now they go on and they they talk about the mistakes that I, I've made. 
how I've corrected them, how that has has supported them, um, and and also ways of how that has shaped them. That's really beautiful and really inspiring. And I think really encouraging for folks who are like, oh, no, I messed this up. How can I like course correct? It's never too late. It really is never too late. No, absolutely not. Because when we do that, we're actually modeling, even in our mistakes, we're modeling for our children to be able to course correct for themselves. So that's one question that we're asking everybody on this on this season. Um, what's a sexy secret that you can share with us? Okay. There aren't a whole lot of secrets that I have anymore. <laughs> I feel like that's what I would say as well as a blogger. <laughs> Somebody who blogs right. about sex, they're like, hmm, it's all out there. <laughs> it's all out there. And especially if it was good, it definitely is out there. Um, but I will, I'll, I'll share this. So something that has been really, really helpful in, um, my my current um, partnership that we've been together for 12 years now, and we are a polyamorous, we are an open couple, um, we are both sex workers. And so this is, this is the way that I like to share with other women, especially that may be considering um, how does having any sort of openness in their relationship benefit them, especially when societally we've been so geared towards monogamy and so much of our worth being attached to our partner's loyalty to us. I believe in outsourcing the things you do not want to do. Mm. Um, I believe in outsourcing the things that bring your partner pleasure, but do not bring you pleasure. Mm. So for my partner, um, there are certain things that he absolutely loves. He is a better person when it's done. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy doing them. Is there someone who is a better aligned to do this with you, for you? Absolutely. You should do that with them. And that is from watching football to anal sex. Mm. I love it. It's so practical as well and just like so free and like, yeah, why waste your energy and, you know, trying to do something that's really just not for you? Yes, I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm really lucky to have so many friends who are as intentional as I have tried to be about being sex positive with our parenting. And um, today I'm just delighted to have a really good friend. She's a single mother of a fantastic 17-year-old. So I said, you know, who better to ask the two open people about this subject? (laughs) Open opals. The open Open opals. Okay, I am a a trained theater and TV performer and currently a a soap writer. So I basically work from home and write TV scripts and raise my daughter and take her to school every day. I'm for the rest of the... Event a taxi driver. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> chauffeur. Sorry. Sorry. Chauffeur. 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 Yes. A very beautiful yeah. chauffeur. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I am a professional idiot that posts YouTube videos. That's my life, essentially. I don't do much. <laughs> I just kind of exist and get angry at the people around me. Uh, yes. <laughs> And how old is this angst? How old are you? 17 years of angst. 17 years of angst. We love it. (laughs) 
Okay, ladies, so we're going to get right into it. Um, you know, I am... I'm always interested in how culture affects our belief systems, our approaches to to life. So tell our audience um, ethnically what you what you are. We live in South Africa, and it's a rainbow nation. It's a melting pot. Mm-hmm. But ethnically, how you identify, and okay. how has your background affected your approach to parenting? Cool. I'm a Cape colored woman, and. You know, culturally, we are known for not being bashful about things, about being straightforward, having um, calling a spade a spade and stuff like that. But so obviously things like sex is it's not as taboo as I would say in other cultures. And it, but there is always that that element of shame around it, that shamefulness that we don't talk about it. Uh, people are fairly open on the subject, making jokes about it, alluding to it, you know, uh, mocking people. But when it's about when it comes to actually having the real serious um, face-to-face conversation, it's not that easy. Mm. And I think that's a human thing. I don't think it's. I read something interesting. I think it was in Louise Hay where she where she speaks about how we relate to our bodies and we should we should really get rid of the shamefulness and start rejoicing in everybody part. And then she said something about when it comes to how we relate to our bodies, there's this thing called mama's God, mm. which is the God that you grew up with that your mom told, God's going to punish you if you do this. Mm. God's going to... And she just said, we must stop seeing... God as this bearded old guy sitting on a cloud monitoring our genitals, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that is like, when you think about it, you realize, oh, there is that little nagging voice in the back of your head that you're not always aware of it, but that's mama's God talking yeah. to you saying, hey, you must shouldn't, oh, that dress is too, oh, that pants are too, oh, that, you know? There's, a, there's, an, element, there's an element of religion that creeps into it. But I think there's definitely there's definitely an element of using sex to threaten or to or to, you know, you're going to get in trouble. And I understand that as a mother, of course, I understand that you don't you don't want your your kid to get the wrong idea, to get in trouble, to fall pregnant. You know, you want to. Yes, that is part of your job, uh, uh, getting your teenager through high school. It's like if you get back high school and not pregnant. (laughs) But um. Rebecca and I, it's not that we talk about sex often. It's just when it does come up, um, there's an openness. There's a, like, we. Are, I think we are with everything, basically. Yeah. There's nothing is taboo, which means sex is not taboo either. And and calling things by their proper names, mm. calling your genitals by their names, not having pookie-wookie-chookie-wookie-looky. <laughs> <laughs> In our house, Spanky. we used to call it a hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I go like, yes, you can have little cute names, but not shy away mm. from calling things by their proper names. They have names. There's no shame in it. You don't have to use a euphemism. You don't use a euphemism for your nose. <laughs> I mean, or for your ear. It's, it's my lobby, joby, you know. My ear. There's no shame. So I find... Specifically on the topic of speaking to your kids about sex, that there's a lot of unnecessary shame. That if a parent just goes, actually, 
Sure, this is tough for me to talk about with you, but let's see where we can get. There's an honesty in that, even in admitting that you don't feel quite so comfortable. Oh, give me a day. Let me think about it and mm. I'll come back to you. And then take that day and gather your thoughts. And there are times when I told you, just give me a day. I don't know how I feel about this. Not on sex specifically, mm. but on, on, on other topics, mm. you know, where you as a parent can admit you don't know, but you are willing to to go and broach the subject, get yourself knowledgeable, see how you feel about it. But it's it's that thing of immediately when it comes, oh, no, we don't talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I'll no. tell you when you're older. And yes. then all that kid's going to do is try and find out what it is. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Rebecca, we're now living in an age where attraction is much wider. We used to think in really binary terms. Yes. You know, your yeah. mom's in that generation. It's like a man should be with a woman and a woman should be with a man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm here like, hi. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have you had that conversation, um, you know, with your mom as well? So first of all, tell us how you identify. Uh, Do you have a, a term for it? <laughs> uh, you mean like in terms of... Your sexuality? Like, and, yes. Yeah. So, yes, I do actually. Mine's kind of interesting in my opinion. I <laughs> I am uh, heterosexual, but I'm panromantic. Oh, so, okay. Uh, that, that sounds very unromantic. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's the exact opposite because I'm romantically attracted to all genders. There you go. So that would have been nice if I knew that when I was dating women. <laughs> because I'm here like, why am I attracted to you? But I'm also not, is, am I lying to us? Am I lying to us? <laughs> am I lying to And then it's just like, oh, you're just not sexually attracted to women. Calm down. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Just for the record, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what, pan-romantic? The whole thing. That it's, it's okay. I just go, okay. as long as you know and you're happy. And you, as long as you're happy. I am happy. Yes, thank you. And one of the things that I liked is, because I've had a few identities. At first, obviously, I was straight because heteronormativity hey. wow um <laughs> and then uh i identified as bi and then pan and then another thing that i can't remember and then i was pan again and then i'm like oh wait i'm none of that um and you kind of just went okay yeah <laughs> i'm like oh my god mama i like this girl oh really is she nice <laughs> that's like, the criteria <laughs> yeah you're just like is this person not an a-hole that that that's your standard do they treat yes. you good mm. do they have common sense mm -hmm. <laughs> and i really appreciate that you're very very open about things but um you know have you both had conversations about um intimacy and relationships so i know like your standard oh, as yeah. a mom is just don't be an a-hole what yeah. have those conversations <laughs> looked like not a lot i would say because her experience of relationships and the field the way it looks today is not even vaguely <laughs> recognizable for me. So I, as she is um, exploring and learning and things are changing in the landscape on that, on, on that front has been changing rapidly all the time, yes, you know. Very, very quickly. I really yes. just can't keep up. So my barometer is Rebecca, whatever she mm -hmm. has done in that in that field because I don't, I mean, I barely understand my 1980s <laughs> field that was very simple. It was. I haven't even won that. I haven't even triumphed over that field. So I am, this is like, I know I'm here like level, oh, this is like level That's 69 an and I'm still by level two, you know, <laughs> and I'm just going, guys, I don't want to pass level two, man. <laughs> I'm happy here. I think I'm at Let me know what's happening there by you guys, but I'm still, so, 
it's been a strange thing, but it's been more more of an exchange, you know. It's mm. just, she will know exactly what's happening in mine, and I will know fairly. I think definitely more than what other parents know of their oh, seventeen yeah. year old, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I understand that there's still a big part that she doesn't share with me, but that's life. It's not anything. I'm not hiding anything. Yeah, and 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 I mean that's just you, what people do. You show some parts, you show you don't show other parts, and. And you are also exploring and learning about yourself. So there are parts that you're going to keep to yourself, but there's no forcing the other mm-hmm. to even even understand the one's point of view, but just to yeah. hold space for it and yeah. and and listen and be willing to ask questions. Okay, now what do you mean when you say, mm-hmm. like you said, pansexual? And uh, I will just ask. And Pan I want, romantic. Yes, I'm so pa- <laughs> that was my second one, pan romantic. You're basically a homophobe. <laughs> There is such a thing as pansexual, I'm sure. There is. Now, there now, is. boof out me. Yalla. I originally identified as pansexual. Now, you see that that's what I was talking about, Malaika. Don't you come undermine me here behind the microphone. I mean, come on. Talking about sex, yeah, be careful. Like, Rebecca, is there anything you want to add to that? I do, yes. I want to say I really appreciate the fact that you are so open and like things that you're just dumb about. You're like, okay, so what is this? And you'll just, you'll just ask it right there and then we'll exchange how we experience things and our opinions on things. And you're more, like, I feel really rude almost saying traditional or old-fashioned, old but you're more old-fashioned. Universal. Views. You're universal. Universal, <laughs> universal <laughs> approach to Your things. universal <laughs> approach to things. Um, I have that. And because you don't force, you're just like, this is how I feel. You can feel what you feel. I would prefer if you have basic things, like you said, like respect and stuff. Um, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> But then there are so many people that will be old school like you, but then think that's the only way that it has yes, to be. Yes. And then there are people like me who are like, love everybody. And then we get hate for that. You're upset that I have more girlfriends than you. <laughs> <laughs> that's your problem. But you... You see, that's the landscape. <laughs> that's the landscape we're dealing yeah. with now. <laughs> no, you've you've helped me have a very balanced perspective on things. Cool. I appreciate that. And <laughs> that the, is awesome. So we are asking each of our guests this season the same question. And that question is, um, do you have a sexy secret that you can share with our audience? Sexy secret. And you can interpret that however you want to. A sexy secret. I'm a sexy secret. <laughs> I'm sexy and no one knows she about me. I am a sexy secret. <laughs> Not everyone knows about you, trust me. <laughs> mm. Sexy secret. No, I'm too boring, Malaika. Ah, no, you're not boring. Nobody is boring. Rebecca, um, what about you? Sexy secret. Sexy Let it rub, secret? Good Lord, what would I have to say? If I don't even have a sexy secret, I don't know what you have. Uh, I'm 17, dude. <laughs> That's fair enough. I'm still figuring out. I'm still figuring out. Is. I'm still figuring about what a pan romantic is. Surely there's something. All you need to know is I'm not sexually attracted to women. There we go. That's the that's the main defining factor. Right, I know. I know too. Mm. Because it's a lot of language. It is not always very clear what it's, the conclusion is. Yeah. Yo, this is confusing. Oh, okay, okay, so it's not just me. Oh, everyone in the community is confused. None of us know what we're doing. Okay. We just know. Who, no. As long as you all know, you don't know what you're doing. That's that's literally Yes, there's it. corporate confusion. Yes. So it's, it works. Confusion. Corporate, yes. Everybody at the head of LGBTQ is like, what the? <laughs> 
Well, ladies, thank you so, so much. This has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to add that you want the world to know (laughs) that I haven't asked you? Sometimes kids, the first question they ask about sex is so innocent. (laughs) And we have such a thing about it that we immediately freeze up and think, oh, what do I, I?" if you just go, oh, that's cool. Why are you asking that? And you keep your cool. You'll see it's not as, it's not half of the time, not as serious as you thought it was going to be. And then it's something that it's actually really simple that they wanted to know. But we have such a thing about it that we make a big deal before they make a big deal about it. So I say be kind to yourself and just answer what they're asking in in, in, in simple terms. And if you don't know or feel comfortable, I think you can tell your child, oh, that's all I can tell you now. I'm not so comfortable about the other details. Maybe we can talk about it later. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be something wrong mm. or bad. And um, yeah, be kind and gentle to yourself too. And mm-hmm. then it's, it, it, it'll be fine <laughs> with your kids, you know. Be happy. <laughs> and Don't worry. And consent is important. Yes. Consent is important. Good consent. Lord is not negotiable. Consent no, is not, not negotiable. My no yeah. is no. And yeah. so is yours. Yes. Oh. Even if you enjoy it, your no is no. There you go. Mm. Thank you both so much. I really loved this episode. I think I got a lot of affirmation, actually. I am doing the right thing with Asantua for where she is right now. And part of what I recognize is that I just need to continue investing and learning, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think it's easy to be a parent. And sometimes we act like it comes naturally to you. Mm -hmm. But these are skills that we have to learn. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the thing that I really loved about this episode is is the language. that, you know, I'm a parent of teenagers, you're a parent of a toddler, but each of them in those stages is learning language to express themselves. So I really, really appreciated how Rebecca is learning to identify herself and find the language that defines who she is and how that continuously changes. And I think that as parents, we just need to really be open to that and not, you know, mark our kids and, you know, and try to put them in these boxes. And so that's why I also appreciate Ilsa for giving her daughter that space. For me, that was really beautiful to see. It was inspiring. It was inspiring for sure. So yeah, folks, I hope you had a good time and see you next week for another amazing episode with some fantastic guests. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Nana Darkose Chiama. Sally Chan, AQ Studios CEO, is an executive producer alongside the hosts. Ferdy Boswell is a senior producer. Audio editors are Mercy Barno and Tevin Sudi, alongside production support from Mercy Gudaga and Lucas Ngao. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Follow us on all our socials at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn by Ria Boss. Find Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure. Follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures From. 
Thank you for listening. Damn, she's so, she's so